Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. Hey neighbors, this week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll have longtime Mac programmer Lloyd Chambers, who finds rot in the Mac OS. We'll hear from Jim Dalrymple of The Loop with LoopInsight.com and Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Yeah! We're joined by Lloyd Chambers. He's a longtime Mac developer. And as you'll find out during our session on the Tech Night Owl Live with him, he has some problems with where the Mac OS is going. But Lloyd, for our listeners' sake, tell them some of the highlights of your background so they'll recognize who you are. Well, I started programming the Mac back in the early 80s for a startup, and uh, probably no, none of your listeners will recognize the word TechScriber because it failed as a product and uh, didn't get my last ch- paycheck and got laid off. That was in the early 90s. But uh, what some of your readers might remember is a program called uh, Disk Doubler followed by Auto Doubler, and that was back in the 90s where hard drives were around uh, 20 megabytes back then, and uh, those products allowed you to get closer to 40 megabytes on them, and then as 40s came out, maybe it could get 80 and so on. They are very popular, solved a real problem at the time. Of course, now 40 megabytes is the size of one of my Nikon D800 files, so it's kind of crazy silly on the difference in storage capacity. I worked on other things, including uh, Norton Utilities, uh, when Symantec acquired fifth-generation systems, which acquired my company, Cilium Software, which was the disk doubler and auto-doubler stuff. I've worked on things like pretty good privacy as PGP, and then encryption software, including an encrypting driver for the Mac. Uh, that's all changed since I did it, but uh, it was a good experience. Following uh, that work, I actually turned away from the Mac a while and became a server developer at Sun Microsystems, uh, and I wrote the multi-threaded server code, first in C++, then in Java. That's fairly hard stuff to, to, to write and get right, and uh, my expertise tends to be in the more technical side of, of getting co- uh, code correct, which was actually a course of study in my college career also. So I'm very much into seeing code run efficiently and correctly. One of the things that always impressed me about really good software developers is that they understood that the code could be made as fast as you wanted as long as it didn't have to work right. That uh, is often forgotten, but you got to get the code right first and then make it fast. And I think the same principle applies going it, but it's not somewhat different twist on it these days. So after I left uh, Sun, I, uh, well, I was, Sun was bought up by uh, Oracle. I uh, it was kind of out of my own. And these days, I, uh, my programming career is, is more limited. I have a software called Digiloid Tools, and uh, that's a uh, performance analysis software and also uh, data integrity uh, checking. Pro photographers use my software, for example, to write their precious files to disks, hard drives, Blu-rays, DVDs, and they can check them years later to make sure they haven't been altered. I'm probably forgetting some things along the way there because I didn't know I was going to have to do this all for memory. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, don't worry about it. I think our listeners who have been around the Mac for any period of time are aware of your achievements and the things you've done. Of course, I know you from the days of Disk Doubler. That was certainly an interesting time and a lot of interesting products, how things have changed. My first hard drive for a Mac, I think, had 100 megabytes. I spent $1,200 for it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think today you can a get a seven. You can get a seven hundred sixty-eight gigabyte 
solid state drive for that price, and we still regard that as hugely expensive because we get terabyte regular drives for, what, $75 or something. That's right. Yeah, it's incredible what's happened. We look forward to uh, much larger drives that are even faster, but we'll see. Yeah, we should see also about what's happened with the Mac, the fact that you've been programming for the Mac for many, many years. You have a sense of where it's going. And from an article that you put up on your blog very recently, you're not impressed. It's called Core Rot at Apple. And I know this is kind of hard to explain because a lot of this stuff is really programming, geeky stuff. But for the sake of regular people who want to understand what's going wrong with OS X and what Apple is doing, let's go through this. So is this because of the carryover of anything from the older Mac OS, or is it all something that came into being after they went to Unix? I think there was a major change in going to Unix, and uh, no, I don't think it's related to the original Mac OS. I think it's actually a more recent phenomena. I think they did uh, do a very good job early on with the Unix transition, and they did some very smart and very impressive things. Um, but the approach to development today, I think, has changed because of business pressure to develop the iPhone and iPad, and it has a, a number of downstream effects. If you're making, you know, 90% of your money on a certain product line, you're naturally going to orient your business towards it. And you can do that in ways that sustain your original business uh, in a in a way that it involves long-term thinking about which businesses might take some hits now and then, and you, you don't want to weaken some areas of business. And that's what I think is going on, is that it's being forgotten that Apple survived because of support from certain types of users, which are, I think are now being given short shrift. They're not really, the needs are not really being met. met. And, uh, we're seeing a, a, a turn towards a consumer-oriented, game-oriented, uh, what I'll, I'll call it a thumb-twiddling orientation, mean, not meaning that people don't get work done with the iPad or iPhone, but that so much, so much of the orientation is on what I'll call an eye-candy approach. People who don't who watch movies and listen to music and, and want things to look pretty. But there are also people out there that have supported Apple over the years and really need a reliable machine that doesn't, keep changing to swampy ground under them for getting their work done. Let's kind of summarize it as we start to get more specific about it, Lloyd. The point being here that Apple has concentrated so much on the eye candy, the fancy effects and the flourishes, and maybe some of the nuts and bolts are being forgotten? Yes, I think uh, kernel uh, file system development, uh, kernel, that's the core of the operating system development, those things are invisible. And marketing people don't like those because you can't brag about them very easily. You can't brag about that it doesn't crash when you do X, Y, and Z. It's <laughs> like, what are you going to do? But you can brag about pretty new features and new uh, software and uh, new things you can do in iTunes. And so it's very hard to spend the resources on these low-level things, which in the long term are critically important. But you can't, it's very hard to sell based on those not to the mass market, at least. Um, so basically being so, able to, say, for example, check your hard drive without damaging it, the public doesn't see that until their hard drive goes bad. If it's something that causes more crashes, they'll see maybe the end effect, but maybe not see the stuff that made it happen. That's right. You have, can have these mysterious problems or simply roadblocks in your way, 
And, 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 and as usually, usually the case with bugs, they might only affect a small subset of users. So it doesn't tend to generate a huge problem unless it's a major, uh, major screw-up of some kind. And most typically are caught, if they're that bad, are caught before the product is released. But there can be bugs that affect certain classes of users doing certain things. It can be real showstoppers. And so what's your, what's your incentive to fix those if 1% of the population is affected? Not very much. But that's the immediate sort of effect. But what concerns me as a, as a guy who gets his work done with the Mac every day for many hours each day is that there's more and more things that are tripping me up and that over the long term, as those are ignored, it, uh, they can get, you can get this, you can get the broken down car effect. Um, and it makes you want to go buy a new car, <laughs> and a new car must not be a Mac. And I think that's very bad for Apple over the long term to generate that sort of problem. And I'll say this, is that the feedback I've gotten on my piece, it's been, first of all, it's been the most, I've gotten more response from the series than any, anything I've ever written that Mac Performance Guide. And what is striking um, is that the sentiment I'm getting is is, is very much in line with what I wrote. I'll tell you uh, what, we have to do the break, Lloyd, so let's go past okay. that, and we'll pick it up on the next segment. Lloyd Chambers sure. joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. This has got to be familiar if you live in a certain part of the country right now. Horrible weather can severely affect your ability to get to the office. Road closures, major traffic jams. But just because you can't make it into the office doesn't mean business stops. That's why I highly recommend go to my PC by Citrix. You can access your entire office computer from your home, so you don't have to risk a dangerous commute or worry about falling short on a project. You know, I love my copy of Go to My PC. It's my lifeline to my work computer from home. But our listeners can also try Go to My PC for 30 days. Visit gotomypc.com, click the Try It Free button, enter the promo code PODCAST, then download the free app to your mobile device. That's gotomypc.com. Try it free. The promo code, ladies and gentlemen, is PODCAST. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. 
Valentine's Day is next week, and ProFlowers is offering an amazing deal. 100 stunning blooms of love plus a free glass vase for just $19.99. Go to ProFlowers.com, click on the radio microphone in the upper right corner, and enter the secret code RADIO13. But hurry, this incredible deal expires this Friday. Flower prices will skyrocket during Valentine's Week. Order now from ProFlowers to get huge savings, plus pick any delivery date and it's guaranteed. 100 colorful blooms of love sent fresh from the fields. Guaranteed to stay fresh and beautiful for at least seven full days for only $19.99. Remember, flower prices can double, even triple next week. And this incredible deal expires this Friday. The only way to get this amazing deal is to visit proflowers.com, click on the radio microphone in the upper right corner, and enter the secret code RADIO13. That's proflowers.com, secret code RADIO13. Is this the year you finally get serious about your family's drinking water? If so, keep listening for a special offer from Big Berkey Water Filters. Did you know that over 60% of municipal water is fluoridated? Berkey Water Filters distinguish themselves from many other filtration systems with the capability to significantly reduce dangerous chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, and disinfection byproducts from municipal water via the Black Berkey and PF line of filters. Then there's affordability. At only 1.7 cents per gallon, Berkey Water Filters purify treated and untreated water, even stagnant pond water. Stop and think how much money you could save by simply reducing buying bottled water and using water filtered by your Berkey water filter. No need to be constantly replacing expensive filters with a Berkey. A single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. Choose the best size Berkey for your needs at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And right now, all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Just call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Free shipping on every order over $50. Big Berkey Water Filters. For the love of clean water. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have Lloyd Chambers. Longtime developer for Mac and other platforms. And we're talking about an article he wrote called The Core Rot at Apple. And the thing you're pointing out here is that Apple is concentrating on a lot of features and eye candy that work really, really well or not well, but they don't think about the stuff, the nuts and bolts that may impact professional users, for example. Am I correct? Yes, that's correct. Maybe we should give a few examples of that. For your listeners, um, we could start. In generally speaking, I think Apple hardware is is excellent, but I I will complain about the Mac Pro and that it really hasn't changed in five years. So on the hardware side, because the Mac, I think because the Mac Pro doesn't make isn't a huge revenue source for Apple, they've neglected it. And I see this directly in my own business: is that people don't want to buy a Mac Pro because they keep thinking there's going to be a new one, and this has been going on for two years now. And yet, it's the only machine that's re- really viable for what I do and for many other people doing video and photography. Uh, an iMac doesn't cut it. A Mac Mini doesn't cut it. Those those machines can be very good for some purposes, but uh, you run into difficulties in a variety of ways. Let me ask you about the Mac Pro. I think we should, I just want to focus on that. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people now have managed to get a lot of really good work done on the iMac. Is the thing about the Mac Pro the fact that you've got 
the extra cores in the processor, the fact that you have all that upgradability, expandability, is that where it really counts? It's definitely around those issues. Uh, it's also around, well, memory limits. You can put more memory in a Mac Pro. Uh, for me, I, I need 80 gigabytes, so I hit VM paging for the work I do. Um, you can put PCI cards in. All my PCI slots are full, but even if you only need one or two, that's still an issue. It's about reliability and backup. If you want a uh, you know, big internal time machine backup, you can stuff one into a Mac Pro. You can do a, a rig, a mirror. You can do a stripe for higher disk performance. You can put an internal SSD in the lower optical bay. You can put in all kinds of cards for video and other things. It's also the cores. It's also just the sheer reliability of it. I really am not that comfortable with things like the iMac over time for in terms of cooling and the machine being reliable. Also, if you're a professional, I suppose you need to get a job done and the drive fails inside the iMac. Well, what are you going to do? Take it to the Apple store and they'll tell you to come back in a week? The drive in the iMac, to replace it, is a nightmare. It's not something that just pops out. It's a nightmare to actually go in there, pull the thing apart, and get at the drive and make this replacement. It's worse with the new models because of the new construction process. That's right. There's actually a glue-on strip, and even if you're really technical and comfortable, it's not an easy job. And if you're a professional, you've got to get the job done that day. Uh, you don't have time to be pulling your iMac apart. Uh, what, so what, the only thing you're going to you're going to go buy a new one, or you're going to put all your data externally so that if something fails, you can replace it easily and quickly. Uh, and then now you start getting the cable mess. Two cables change the change. Well, you know, a device chained to another device, chained to another device. I've heard from more people who've done that in the past, and they have six or eight or ten drives, and they can't even remember what's on each drive. It just becomes a real mess. And I'll tell you, another dirty little secret of the industry is low-quality power supplies in some of these external devices. So when you add all these things up, I just don't see it as a professional solution. Um, it's also true that photographers, that I my screen is a beautiful thing. But if you actually want to do critical color work, it's it's not the right choice. It's shiny. It, you, unless you wear a black shirt in a black room, you can see you get reflections off it that alter your color perception. It's also uh, looks more like a, a chrome, doesn't look like a print. So it's not good for color matching to a print. So if you're one of those types of users, um, you've got to go buy another screen anyway. So you haven't saved anything on the screen. It's, it's a little smaller than I like. I'd rather have a 30-inch. All these things kind of add up, and you have to make an individual choice for your particular work. And for some people, the iMac may be an excellent choice. It's just that I think for professionals who really do a lot of work on a machine, especially in video, four cores is not enough. And you need big drives and lots of them, and you need a backup system. And that doesn't mean an iMac with one drive. That doesn't mean Thunderbolt because that hardware is really expensive. But I agree with you about the hard drive. You want to replace a hard drive in a Mac Pro, it takes, what, four minutes? <laughs> if that? Yeah, I, I suppose. That's a good with the screwdriver. Uh, yeah, I could probably do it in two minutes. I've done it so many times. But, yeah, it's pretty quick. It also means you can – it's not just replacing it because of failure. It, let's suppose the drive is getting full and you just want to go to a two from a two to a four. Well, it's a far easier job to do that. And it's cheaper, too, because you can buy a bare hard drive. You don't have to buy an external one. As a practical effect, I think if you start with an iMac, you, it, it can be a great workstation for somebody who's doing just one needs a fast Photoshop thing, doesn't have a huge number of files and so on. As a long-term professional investment, I don't think it's a, a very good approach. Now, we understand, if, at least if we believe what Tim Cook said last year and what Apple PR confirmed, 
is that there will be a new Mac Pro this year. And now there's another published report because of the fact that Apple will not be able to sell Mac Pros in Europe because of new EU regulatory requirements as of March 1st, that sometime this spring there will be a new Mac Pro. Well, that's the rumor that's out there. Of course, regulations of the world, one of the reasons that the economic economies of the world are dying, but that's another matter. We can um, do a political show on another show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's just a fact. It's very hard to do business um, these days, unless you're a big company with lots of resources. Um, but uh, the, uh, Mac, uh, the Mac Pro is an interesting machine. Uh, my information is that there isn't a motherboard set with USB 3 that's suitable for the Mac Pro. Um, until late fall with the Xeons. Uh, Apple's typically used Xeons in the Mac Pro, I think always has. And my my information is that there isn't a USB 3 uh, Xeon-based motherboard. In my view, however, it doesn't matter. I'd be perfectly happy to have a Mac Pro without USB 3, especially given Apple's uh, interference issues with USB 3. It's not really that suitable for hard drives to take your data seriously. Why would USB 3 not be a good answer? Well, the latest tech notes from Apple state that you can get interference if you enable Bluetooth. And anytime you have interference going on, um, it's not clear to me that USB 3 is actually at risk, but it makes me very nervous that certain things would not function properly. Apparently, the um, reception goes bad if you have USB 3 connected. Now, I don't know if it goes the other way, but it makes me very nervous to have a, a bus, a connector to a drive that's interacting electronically with something else in the system. Um, as far as speed, USB 3.0 is excellent, and I would like to use it. I personally turn off Bluetooth, so perhaps it's not an issue. I've also heard with another developer who works on, well, I'll just say he knows this stuff, and he has his own concerns about USB 3.0. I think it's an excellent solution, say, for a backup drive or one or two, and maybe even a primary drive, but if you're going to hang three or four drives off it, it starts making you nervous. I'd rather see ESAT or Thunderbolt used. Okay, but the key um, being here is that the logic board components are not available for USB 3.0. That is my understanding. Okay. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not an expert on this, but my understanding is that the Xeon processors that Apple has always used in the Mac Pro do not come yet on a motherboard with USB 3.0. Okay. We'll have to see how quickly Apple can get that together. And later on, we'll get together with Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. But now, we have Lloyd Chambers joining us on the Tech Night How Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network. Hey, neighbors. Got a small business or a large company that needs to be online 24-7? Well, here's the little secret. To make sure your site is always online, you need world-class DNS service from Dyn. That's D-Y-N. For years, Dyn has been helping companies ranging from the scrappy young startup to the giant media moguls of the world with making sure websites are fast and always available and that your emails are getting delivered. D-Y-N. Get faster internet by using Dyn for DNS. Visit Dyn.com slash podcast 30. Fill out the contact form or start shopping right away and save 30% by using the promo code PODCAST30 at checkout. 
Again, visit Dyn.com, that's D-Y-N.com, slash podcast30. Check them out today. In this unpredictable world, disaster can strike anyone. That's why an essential part of any emergency survival plan must be stove in a can. When power goes out and gas lines are down, the portable, safe, easy-to-use stove in a can cooks food up to four hours and boils water in as little as five minutes. Stove in a can comes with everything you need. The stove, fuel, even waterproof matches, all in a compact, durable, heavy-duty container. Plus, the all-natural, non-explosive, 100% waterproof fuel source can be stored indefinitely. Say goodbye to the hassle and danger of propane, lighter fluid, or gas. Stock up now and protect your family with Stove in a Can, starting out at $29.99. Special bundle offers now available with a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Order yours today at StoveInACan.com. That's StoveInACan.com. If you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? Aquapail from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapail units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapail has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it. Now, get the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface, well, and wastewater sources. Aquapail. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48, ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. So we have to see when Apple will get out that Mac Pro. If they're waiting for hardware from Intel, I guess that can explain lots of ills. And maybe they'll even be able to make USB 3 work better. You never know. And it I, might, I think so. I think it's a shielding problem. Remember, in the Mac, Mac, uh, some of the Macs, there has been there have been shielding problems on various connectors. So this is not a new problem, really. The MacBook Pro had a problem with 6G SATA in its second day 
Mac Mini, and some of the ones they built had shielding problems. So uh, it's not new um, in concept. Yeah, but my point of view as a Mac Pro uh, user is that uh, if I had put in a USB 3 card, I'm okay with that. Uh, I would not want to see it hold up a Mac Pro. There's so many. Uh, if I had Thunderbolt, I'm ha- that is a very nice solution for many things. And, I'm, and I think we'll see much lower cost and many more Thunderbolt peripherals appear this year. So I think Thunderbolt's a, a far superior approach in general once the cost comes down. All right, let's go back to the Mac and the problems with that, because obviously nothing is going to be resolved with the Mac Pro until Apple gets all their stuff together. And we'll have to see when that happens. If it's going to happen spring, it's going to happen summer. When Apple and Intel figure it out, we'll know. Okay, core rot at Apple. Let's go back to that again, because you have a number of issues here where you point out that there are problems. Of course, one of them you mentioned, of course, is iTunes. Now, iTunes 11 is kind of controversial. It's got a lot of changes, but my particular impression is I don't see it being better than the previous version of iTunes. I think that's more complicated. Is that me? I don't think it's you. I think... uh iTunes is, is a real kitchen sink mess at this point. I think uh, there's so much thrown into it. I I plugged in my iPhone, and I wanted to just sync it. And I get this big billboard full of junk that has nothing to do with the iPhone, and there's a tiny little icon to get to my iPhone on the screen. And that's just one tiny example, but it's got so much stuff in it. Depending on what you want to do, you might or might not have it show up the way you want it. And it's it's overloaded with too many tasks. Are you going to do music videos? Are you going to sync your iPhone? Are you going to import music? I'm frankly quite befuddled with it. I know I could go through it and kind of understand how it's arranged all this stuff, but the other day when I was trying to do a very basic task of organizing four CDs I wanted to import, first of all, I couldn't import them properly. It duplicated all the tracks. So then I dragged them over. These were MP3s, and it triplicated all the tracks. I sent a bug into Apple. I'm told that will be fixed. I don't understand how bugs like this can exist in version 11 of a product. So anyway, when I did all this, then I couldn't find the things because they were mixed into the huge self-organized list, and there was the sorting options didn't really allow me to do what I wanted, and it didn't distinguish the multiple disks properly, so they were all track 1 times 12 because they duplicated them and made them all track 1 across four CDs. And so I'm... As a casual user of iTunes, it, it drives me crazy because I can't do the very simplest things that I could do six, seven, eight versions ago. So, no, I don't think you're mistaken at all. I think it's a mess. Um, I think you need to do a total rethink on it, maybe split it into more than one program. Now, there's a point I had raised about that. If you go, for example, to an iPhone, not everything is in iTunes. Your music's in a music app. You've got a podcast app. So is it causing more confusion to separate it into separate apps? I know, for example, on Android phone, you go to an Android phone and you look at the later versions of the OS version 4 or later. I don't know if you have any familiarity with them. They have every multimedia app as a separate item. It's not all combined into one thing. I mean, it's not just Google Play. It is for the for the different aspects that you're going to want to deal with. Yeah, I think that's I think there's some merit to that idea. It's a. Uh... You know, I think there's a much broader trend here is that it, things are moving so fast that there's pressure at Apple to do things like this and get it out there. It's a moneymaker, after all, and, they, 
and it's easy to forget what the what can happen if you feel if you're pressured that way constantly. But I don't think it's unique to the iPhone, and I don't really want to blame blame Apple in this sense. That when I look at cameras as a photographer, I see some very messy trends going on there. Also, the failure to think through the implications for the casual user. Now, because the teenagers using these things will adjust themselves. They'll figure it all out because they use it constantly. What does the poor guy do who hasn't used it before? You just or you just want to do one task, and it makes sense to you, but it's so hard to do now because it's buried. And there's what I'll call Easter eggs all over the place. If you touch the wrong button on your iPhone or iTunes, suddenly things something pops up, and you've been teleported to somewhere else. This happens to me all the time now. I, in fact, when you called for this interview, I touched the wrong button, and I had no idea what you want, what it was. And it gave me this big menu of involving delaying the call or not accepting it. It wasn't that simple one. It had like six, five or six choices in it. I have no idea how I got to that. I just wanted to answer the phone. I don't think I'm a dummy. I understand technical stuff, but I am befuddled when I touch a tiny little spot and something weird happens. And in iTunes, I think that's rampant now. Is there's so many buttons and things you can do. Hidden shortcuts you might hit by accident. It can really um, screw up the experience. And when you add bugs to that, it can really become difficult to operate. And remember, the iOS is the simple mobile operating system. Whatever you think about the iOS, let me assure you, if you've worked on an Android device, and I have a Samsung Galaxy S3 here, which is actually rated by Consumer Reports as slightly, slightly better than the iPhone 5, and it's twice as complicated. Yes. And I don't think iOS is getting better. I think it's getting bigger, and I think it's getting more capable in the sense of having many apps that can do many things. But I don't think it's actually getting better. Certain core features have never worked properly and still don't. Um, I literally had calendar appointments for three years I couldn't get rid of. I finally figured out how to do it. But um, And then when you go into things like iTunes and you say, replace everything on this phone, and that doesn't work, what it actually does is do a merge. And by the way, that's a nasty problem now. There is no replace anymore. We took that out when we got common away. I spent an hour of work one day thinking up bookmarks and stuff in Safari. And I then said replace. I wanted to replace. There's no option to do that anymore with iCloud. And what it did was it, it then merged in everything that it had on uh, iCloud back into the machine I had just updated. So it got this huge mess again because there was more than one machine involved, and there was... So you can't even organize your work anymore. What I finally had to do was wipe everything out on all the machines, adjust it on one, turn off iCloud on all the machines, and then manually copy files over these other machines, because there is no way that I'm aware of to actually update bookmarks without having it merge in from its hidden store on iCloud. You know what? iCloud's an issue in and of itself. I had a particular problem here that I reported to the listeners where when adding bookmarks to Safari on any of my devices, normally it's supposed to go to the end of the list. It started going somewhere in the middle and it took a horrendous amount of checking across the desktop Mac, the MacBook Pro, an iPhone, and iPad to find out that there was corruption on one of those devices, and I had to restore it as a new device. It was the iPad. But I had to do all sorts of backtracking and checking to do this because iCloud is so inscrutable. 
Well, that's, you're not unique there. What I just described is just one of a host of problems. Um, very frustrating if you have, want to just do something simple. It's worse than that. In Safari, it has a bug. If you hit a, a tab group, it'll just dump those into the current tab. So I had 13 tabs open. I hit a tab group. Now I got 87. I have a friend I set things up for. He's just—he's not a computer expert. He's confused because I set stuff up for him, and then he hits another tab, and suddenly instead of 13 tabs, he's got 87 because it just keeps dropping these in there. It's supposed to replace. You know, you hit a tab group. It's supposed to wipe them all out and give you. The current group doesn't do that. <laughs> it's in this mode where, it, and then you got this feature to bring up previous tabs. So if you quit, you come back up and you got 87 tabs, and a lot of them are duplicates because it's, it's got four in there. It's the so ghosts of the disappearing tabs. We'll focus on the ghosts of the disappearing tabs, iCloud, and more in another segment with Lloyd Chambers. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black berkey elements for only 231 dollars and the berkey guy will ship your order free of charge with the purchase of a berkey light the berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only 39.99 that's over 30 percent off the retail price call the berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. 
Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. Lloyd Chambers joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live, longtime Mac programmer. Remember him from the days of Disc Doubler. We were talking about the problems with iTunes, the problems with iCloud, and a lot of it is just syncing your stuff. It's a mess. You call it an organization-destroying, bug-ridden, unreliable disaster. Don't hold back, my friend. We've got to go through some of these a little bit more quickly. Let's talk about the finder. And the thing that bothers me is anything that damages the system or can't copy files reliably because the OS X finder is the centerpiece of your file management, supposedly. So what's wrong here? Yeah, well, uh, just... I want to just say one thing before I move to that, and that is when we focus on these individual issues, there, there are so many of these that we're using them as proxies for a much larger problem, I think. And, uh, but by using the specific issues, we can be tangible and talk about specific areas. And it's important to realize that some of them have workarounds, but that's really the issue. The issue is that they exist at all, and there's so many of them. So regarding the finder, um, I run in, it's been a, it's been a thing where, You'd expect like five years ago or so they would have settled this down and that you should be able to do all the core operations very reliably and very fast. But there's been actually backward progress. Um, I ran, I've run in repeatedly to problems where I try to copy a folder of files and the finder will stop and say, can't do it because this would be a store problem. It says um, the file already exists. Well, the folder wasn't there before, and I dragged the folder, and I expected to copy the folder. So to hurt the halt in the middle of the copy, and then if I retry one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times, and it still can't do it, what do you do if you want to copy files when something like that happens? It's clearly a bug. Um, why should such a thing exist? I've got this cute little icon that pops up on the folder icon that's doing it, a little progress bar. So I've had time to implement things like that, but they haven't had time to actually make it work right. And that, to me, is infuriating if I'm just trying to get something done. But it gets worse than that. I copy to a server occasionally, and I've had numerous cases where 
it'll copy and say it's done, and I, it's an eight gigabyte folder, and I drag it over, and it goes makes that bonk sound, says it's done. Three seconds later, how could it have copied the files in three seconds? It's impossible. It didn't do it. It skipped it somehow. And I've had cases where I go and checked, and half the files are missing. I've done this to my server, and suddenly I get reports that a whole bunch of pages are missing. It's because the finder didn't copy them. And it didn't make any error report in those cases. Silent failure. Um, then you've got a far worse problem. We're escalating here from annoyance to serious bug to actual damage. Where I've started a copy to the server, and the finder hangs. And we're not talking just the finder hang. We're talking everything freezes. The entire system is locked. And the only choice is literally to pull the power cord or press the power button and cold boot the machine. And upon restart, the file system is damaged on the boot drive. Um, these are the types of problems I've run into, and not just on one Mac. And my gripe here is that I don't want to see any more eye candy and little progress bars in the Finder until they can go track down this type of stuff and fix it, kill it stone cold dead, and make it work 100% of the time always and report errors with file names. I don't like to see your error message. These occur in the Finder also. It says, the copy couldn't be completed because the item couldn't be copied. Now you've got a folder with 8,000 files in it, and you have no idea which folder this thing is or which file this is. So you can't even go look to see if that particular file has some weird kind of problem because it doesn't tell you which file it is. Now, I understand in future versions of OS X, it's possible Apple will hide all the file system stuff. I think that would be an unmitigated disaster. Um, I think the approach seems to be that Mac users have one drive. It's an Apple drive, and you wouldn't want to do anything else. And to hide the file system would be... It's already horrible because the Finder ships with a default that hides network drives and and, 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 and all drives on the desktop. Try explaining that to a beginner who has more than one drive. (laughs) It's impossible remotely on the phone. I don't think hiding things is good for anybody. I don't think things need to be as hard as they are, but the file dialogue still is a disaster in that sense. But to hide them doesn't help anybody. For for one thing, how, how do you know what to back up? You might be Apple and think the time machine is a catch meow. It has its own very serious problems. If you've hidden things that are critical data, how do you back them up? I, I want to know where they are. I want to make sure they've been backed up because I have a lot of stuff I don't need to back up. Uh, that's part of it. I don't want to waste time backing everything up and... I want to back up 20 gigabytes of critical business data. If that's hidden, what am I going to do? This is part of the issue with, of course, OS X. When OS X came around, Apple was putting a pretty face on Unix, so all those crazy files that have inscrutable names are hidden to make it easy. But then you need those files for different purposes. So if you can't see them, what do you do? Well, I think... Some of that's okay. I mean, people don't need to know what where the bar temp or whatever or slash TMP and certain critical kernel files. I think it's okay to hide those. Uh, the, uh, the issue I have is things getting buried in my home folder under library. Uh, I'll give you just one example. It's a small one, but extremely annoying if you're stuck on it. And that is color profiles. Those get buried in under under the library folder. Well, these are things you might want to get at because you might want to take a look at the color profile. If you're a photographer like me, you might have generated one. If it gets dumped there, it's in the hidden folder now. So you now have to go through this silly process of holding down option, going to the Go menu, and choosing library or using a terminal hack. 
Listen, we don't have much time left, and I know this is something we need to pursue in several discussions, little bits of information so everyone gets a sense of it. But where does Apple go here? Does Apple need to go and re-overhaul the OS, or now that they've got new executives in charge of well, the interface and everything, do they go back and let's clean up the nuts and bolts before we go beyond that? I think they can continue doing what they're doing in the other areas, but I think they do need to uh, invest some uh, invest resources in the core operating system and the finder and the things that really can affect people's daily work for people who use it as a productivity tool. Um, they need to pull some quality people back into these areas. I have the sense that the really good people have been pulled off, off the OS areas into iOS, and that's why we see things like Fusion destroying uh, drives. I think whoever wrote that had no business even coding in that area. You don't write code like that. No, I wouldn't. I would. I would consider myself a failure if I put a bug that bad into the system. I think Apple needs to get some really good people on the core operating system and refocus on that. And that's not to the exclusion of iOS or these other things. You can have both. They're a huge company with huge resources. There's no excuse for this. So basically, you're saying here that Apple is cutting back on its investment into the Mac, and part of it is that the Mac only consumes a small part of Apple's income these days, and therefore the operating system is suffering. But maybe if they hired some more people and had just a division going in there and dealing with some of these long-standing serious bugs, maybe things would be okay in a couple of releases. Perhaps. I'm not saying they're cutting back. They might not have. I am saying they might have pulled some of the most talented people off as a matter of expediency to work on the products that were really making them a lot of money. And that leaves sort of a you know empty team in some cases. With teams of software developers, sometimes if you pull the one or two key people, the team sort of implodes because there's a, a maturity and a judgment that goes along with a really experienced developer. I don't know that this is the case. That's a sense I have, however, of what might be going on. And I see some very bad judgment calls being made with like key APIs being deprecated or outright removed, which is actually broken software already. That doesn't happen unless you have somebody with some an agenda, which I think is can be a very poor case of judgment. I, I'm staring at removal of all the APIs I use in my disk tester part of this digital tools. These have all been deprecated in 10.8. The key APIs I use are, are slated to be gone in the next OS release. These are APIs that have been there for years are still perfectly good APIs. And somebody's made the decision these are going to go away. So what do I do? I have to go re- completely rewrite my software. Anyway, I think that's part and parcel of the focus on the core OS is they don't take seriously backward compatibility anymore in the core OS, and they're not taking seriously the quality of the core OS. And I think it's just because their best people they wanted to use on their most important projects, and so they might have hollowed out the uh, OS team. That's my theory. I don't know if it's right. Uh, I have to add that, but it sure feels like that. Are you getting any feedback just very briefly from anybody at Apple about what you've written so far? None. I guess we shouldn't expect it. Listen, tell our listeners, Lloyd Chambers, where they can find more of the stuff that you write about. This is MacPerformanceGuide.com. There's a main blog page, and there's a, uh, a, a table of contents to a large variety of reviews and articles and so on uh, under under a couple of tabs there on the main site. So MacPerformanceGuide.com, also a, a photography site, Digloid.com, Digloid.com, pronounced that way. And I'm a cyclist, windinmyface.com. Sometimes those three dovetail. Lloyd Chambers, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene.
The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi. This is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com, and he's just great in predicting or revealing future directions from apple he'll give us a one-word answer and it's just about always true i don't think he's ever failed but we're in an area where we all fail is trying to figure out time zones let me give you a comparison when i plan to record a segment with jim i will give him the time in pacific time because we're all familiar with that because apple is on the west coast and everything i'm in arizona so i am on mountain time he is in nova scotia so he is in atlantic time right yeah Okay, so that makes you four hours ahead of Pacific time and three hours ahead of Arizona time. Yep. And before doing this segment, he got his time zone screwed up because he's got to carry all that stuff in his head, and it's enough to blow up your brain. We really need a rolling time zone in this yep. world. It's it's funny because I deal with the, the time zones all the time because I'm either dealing on Eastern time or... Pacific time, most mostly those two, and you know today it just I thought that uh, I was an hour early, but as it turns out, I was actually late. So there you go. Well, we can also maybe adjust the time portal. You see, because we have a paranormal radio show, as most of you know, called the Powercast, 
and we explore UFOs and things that go bump in the night and all that. And we get into time travel and the implications. So maybe we can have a time portal for the Tech Night Out Live and our guests enter that time portal and time doesn't matter anymore. There you go. That might work. You know, sometimes when you look at what's going on with Apple, you think you're in a reality portal. Because I was looking at these figures the other day, and I've been ranting about stock market and stock market price for a while. Because right now, Apple is one of the most profitable companies on the planet. Last quarter made over $13 billion. More than 50% more than Samsung. More than ExxonMobil more than twice as much as Microsoft. But the market says, oh, no, we have to downgrade Apple. Am I crazy or are they crazy? I I have to think that they're crazy. Uh, It doesn't make any sense to me that Apple could have a quarter, a record quarter, where they have uh, record iPhone sales, record iPad sales, record revenue, and record profit but yet the stock still falls. And people are, here's, here's what really gets me. People are writing stories and analysts are saying that Apple needs to release something uh, that's going to really change the market. It's, it's got to be big. It's, you know, flashy. But they're not saying that about any other company. No, they're not saying that Samsung needs to release something to change the market. They're not saying that RIM has to do that. Uh, no other company, are they saying, has to do that. Just that? Yeah, it seems to be focused on Apple, like, for example, Samsung. Now, Samsung released their last big flagship smartphone, the Galaxy S3, last March. It went on sale in the U.S., what, June? It's a 4.8-inch smartphone. And there's kind of sort of talk about an S4 that will arrive, what, maybe March or April, which means it will go on sale this summer. But that's it. We don't get a conversation every day about what Samsung's going to do. I'm not going to say the S3 is a bad phone. It happens to be a pretty decent smartphone. But, in fact, I've got one in my hand right now. I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, but I have to explore all types of products. The key being here, we don't obsess over Samsung. Well, no. I mean, I I don't think the only reason that, that people obsess over Samsung is as a competitor to Apple, really. You know, that's the way that it goes. It's the same thing for RIM. Uh, at this point, you know, they, they release something, it's always in comparison to Apple. Well, it's the reverse problem, too, especially with RIM, which is no longer RIM. It's now BlackBerry, and we'll have to learn to say that, you know. Besides research in motion, what does that mean? <laughs> Sounds like a bicycle maker. So maybe calling it BlackBerry is better. However... They are now looked at in comparison to Apple, whereas now Apple has to come out with a trend-setting product every six months. Otherwise, the stock price is going to be hurt, except for today, which is Thursday, February 7th, where I'm seeing Apple stock price is going up while the overall market's going down. So who could have thunk it? Yeah, I, I, it, I, I don't know how to predict what goes on in the stock market because a rumor one way or another can can affect the stock. And I I would think that analysts would be smarter than that, but apparently they're not. Well, it's also unfortunate how some media pundits and so-called journalists would say, well, obviously Apple has to do something because demand for the iPhone 5 has fallen off. 
What? Yeah. And yeah. then there's this lawsuit filed by David Einhorn. He's founder of a hedge fund called Greenlight Capital, saying that Apple's not doing enough to unlock shareholder value. What's that all about? <laughs> it's got to make you wonder, doesn't it? I mean, you know, clearly they they lost uh, a lot of money when Apple stock fell, but you know that it's the market you're you're into. If you're going to play in the stock market, there's going to be wins and losses. Emphasize play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I I don't understand what he hopes to gain from this, but, you know, Apple's doing their job. Clearly, they're selling a lot of, of product. But, you know, what these people um, uh, think that Apple is supposed to do, I don't know. I mean, as the, the journalists uh, that, you know, write articles about what Apple needs to do to turn it around. These, these people are journalists. They're not running multi-billion dollar companies. They have no idea what Apple needs to do to turn, um, you know, the fortunes around. And, you know, when you look at it, they're doing pretty good. So so I assume there are fortunes that need to be turned around. Well, and that's just it. I, I don't know why they, they feel that they do need to be turned around. I mean, the stock price is down, but everything else is is on the rise. And we learned just recently that in the U.S., Apple outsold Samsung in terms of mobile phones, and not just, you know, Samsung smartphones, but all Samsung phones. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? We live in a lackey world. Then we have, of course, somebody quoting an article which made some very reasoned points from Lloyd Chambers, longtime Mac developer, about the rot in OS X, about things he finds wrong. So somebody quotes his article and starts ranting about Jonathan Ive and what he's doing wrong. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was only a few months ago that Jonathan Ive became the executive in charge of human interface at Apple. So what has he got to do with anything that's happening now? People will pick at at anything. I mean, let's let's face it. Apple, um, a headline with with Apple in it is going to sell ad space. That's that's pretty much what it is. Okay, so Apple ain't cool. Let's put that in the headlines. Apple ain't cool no more. Yeah. Which, very ungrammatical, but if I run that article, well, you know, I have a series of articles, I don't know if they get large hit counts, called the Microsoft Death Watch. And I occasionally bring up the point that Microsoft is a beleaguered company. They're getting no love. I mean, just... The other day, Walt Mossberg of the Wall Street Journal, I guess you call him the dean of tech commentators, he reviews the Surface Pro tablet. This is the version of the Surface tablet that works on regular Intel processors, so it's just basically a PC or a tablet or can't figure out which is which. And, you know, he gave the basic stuff that was good, like it's using a fast processor, so it's fast. But battery life is bad. This convertible notebook tablet scenario it's just a big failure but nobody will wake up and realize it we do realize we do realize that a bit later on the tech night on live we'll have avram pilch of laptop magazine he'll be talking about amongst other things 13 tech terms that he regards as obsolete 
and how the public reacted. We've got Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com on the Tech Night Owl Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Well, the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me. Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more. At MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. You've come to expect winter specials from Herbal Healer Academy, and we're not going to let you down. Battle through cold and flu season with powerful natural and safe flu fighters, antivirals like olive leaf extract capsules and elderberry power, vitamin D3, 180 caps, only $9, beta-glucans and an incredible immune system booster, our own four-herb tea capsules, and Respa 8, all specially priced during the winter sale at herbalhealer.com. Also, exclusive homeopathic detoxes for lungs, kidneys, liver, whole body, and lymph are on sale. Herbal Healer Academy offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. 
Log on and save big now when you hit the winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time since 1988. Celebrating 25 years in service to the natural health care industry. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Jim Dalrymple of the Loop at LoopInsight.com on the Tech Night Owl Live trying to do reality checks. So I'm going to ask you some questions. Jim, and we like to do this every time you come on the show, going to ask for one of your one-word answers if you know or I don't know or whatever. You can even say whatever. That's even more fun. Will there be a cheap iPhone other than, of course, just selling the previous year's model for less? You know, uh, this is going to be more than a uh, one word answer. Some of them, I, I think that Apple has already said that they're looking at all avenues to sell the iPhone, and these these new markets uh, would certainly benefit from a cheaper version of the iPhone. But Apple's not going to do that for you know market share or anything like that. That's it's not how they work. They they go for the money, so they'll they'll go where they feel they can make money. So in this case here, if they can come up with a value version of the iPhone, it would still have to have a high level of quality, but find ways to keep the cost of production down and maybe shave some money off the unlocked price. But it's not going to be $99 unlocked. Well, no, I wouldn't think so. But, you know, they're, they're just going to have to, to see where they can go. And it's not something they're going to rush into, too. Just because, you know, Samsung may be releasing, um, uh, you know, a cheaper phone for a new market doesn't mean Apple will. They'll they'll wait until they're ready, and they've always done that. So, yeah, they won't be first with every invention. They weren't first with three G. They were not first with LTE. They wait till it works. They may or may not add NFC to the iPhone. NFC is a perfect example of of a technology. That um, you know, I like to to refer to as a check a checkbox item. People go and they they don't know what NFC can do, um, but they hear that it's it's a good thing that they should have. But Apple will wait to put something like NFC in their phones until you can use it everywhere, which I think is a better idea. Why have a technology that you know you can't even use? Except to tap the rear of your friend's phone and transfer stuff. Except for that, you know. Is that a feature anyone cares about? I mean, Samsung makes a big deal of it. You know, you tap the rear of someone else's Samsung phone with the rear of your phone, and that's instant transfer, I guess. Is that Bluetooth or NFC? I don't know what that is. I don't know how they're doing that. But actually, that feature, that's kind of cool. You know, you got to give Samsung credit. Uh that that was kind of a cool feature, you know. How much how much do you really use that? I mean, we we uh, have on the iPhone we have an app called Bump, you know, where you open up the app and you want to send your contact information to somebody else's phone. You just kind of like bump fists, and 
the information is transferred over. It asks you want to accept the information and then it's transferred over very cool you know but how often has that been used i think you only use it when you're on a crowd with someone filming a samsung commercial and you're watching people waiting for the next iphone that's the only time you ever use it (laughs) maybe but i agree you know there are cool features and i suppose apple could learn from other operating systems as they do you know i think when they improved the notification manager, they took a few hints from, for example, the Android OS, but I think they made it a lot better. Well, I mean, everybody learns uh, from everybody else. That's just the way that it, it happens. It, it always happened that way with everything that, that we, we do, everything. There's one thing where you see another company have a feature and you adapt it to your needs. That's not the same thing as just copying it outright. Well, I think what I, what we look for companies to do is to take a, a feature and build on that. You know, we, we want technology to work for us. And a lot of times technology, you know, especially when it first comes out, um, is not as easy as what it could be. I mean, take NFC and maybe Apple is working on a way to make NFC uh, work a lot better for us and for the merchants that would accept payments through NFC or, you know, however they're going to integrate it. And that's what we look for these companies to do. Yeah. See how they show their ability to innovate. And when Samsung came too close to Apple, look what happened. It looks like they're going to have to pay at least a billion dollars. It's not a big amount of money for a company like Samsung, but it's embarrassing. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it must be embarrassing for them because they uh, they were found to be guilty of, of blatantly copying Apple. And, I mean, it's it's nothing that the public didn't already know. I mean, just look at them. You could tell that they were just blatant copies. But when they get end up getting caught uh, in the legal system, that turned it around. And this is an interesting point here. And that is that I would think a company like Samsung has this huge number of lawyers who look over patents and see what's coming out there. And if they buy up all the iPhones they can to check the new features, don't they go to the lawyers and say, hey, wait a minute, there's a patent on this. Is there a way we could work around it, work with the engineers and say, you know what, we can't do this bounce back thing. And now there's no bounce back. I think now you see like a little bit of a flash of light on Android, at least on the Samsung phone. There has to be another way to do that without causing problems. I'm thinking about another issue such as the ability to record a TV show and watch another, which is part of the DVRs. Do you know who owns that patent? That's TiVo. So any other company who builds one of these set-top boxes, they have to buy the license from TiVo or get sued. So, for example, TiVo sued... Dish Network because their implementation was too close. And, you know, if they own the patent for it, then they have uh, the right to defend that. Sometimes, you though, you wonder if patents are just too logical, like one-click ordering. One-click ordering. Very logical. You click, and it's instant checkout, basically. It means that they take your address information, your credit card information, and there you go. Except for one thing here. 
any company who has one-click ordering like Apple, they have to pay the license rights to Amazon. Right. Now, why do they get a patent for that? It seems so logical. You know, that's part of the problem. Everything seems logical looking back at it. You know, I mean, uh, was it logical at the time? Well, maybe not because they got a patent for it. So not that that really means a whole lot, but they did get a patent for it. So maybe when that patent was applied for, it wasn't so logical. It wasn't so obvious that, oh, well, of course we're going to do, of course we're going to do one click ordering. A reminder, we have such a big amount of stuff to bring you this week on the Tech Night Out Live. A little bit later in the show, we'll hear from Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. He'll be talking about the Microsoft Surface Pro. Did it succeed? Did it fail? Was it a mixed bag? And lots more. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop joining Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Is there a less expensive way to detoxify your body? Yes, microplant powder from HempUSA.org frees your body of toxins from vaccinations, pharmaceutical residues, heavy metals, parasites, and toxic chemicals in your food and water for around $10 a month. Microplant powder removes virus, fungus, and bacteria while cleaning and purifying the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. It unclogs arteries and softens heart valves. Plus, microplant powder can be taken with any liquid, any pharmaceutical, at any time. It's truly the easiest and most cost-effective way to clean and detoxify your body for around $10 a month. Microplant powder from HempUSA.org. It really works. And for persistent health issues, try our Matrix Bio Powder together with microplant powder for a deeper cellular cleaning. Call 888-910-4367. That's 888-910-4367. And see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you at HempUSA.org. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231. And the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption, of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Owl live, we're continuing with Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. So let's go back to the one word answers. New Mac Pro by spring? Uh, yeah, I would imagine so. More than one word. Uh, I know. New iPhone by summer or fall? Either one of those is is pretty good. Watch how he hedges his bets. Will it be an iPhone 5S? You know, I really don't pay a whole lot of attention to the naming. I really don't. I don't know. Basically, I guess the way Apple has done it up to now is that the major revision gets a full number. So right. iPhone 4 goes to iPhone 5 when... Apple has a major revision. But if it is a minor revision, it gets a sub-identity, a sub-name. So therefore, 5S, 4S, etc., because it's a minor revision of the 4. The externals are pretty much the same. It's only the internals that are changed. Yeah. Okay. iPad mini, retina display coming in the next few months? I don't know about the next few months. An iPad mini with a retina display certainly makes sense. Is there a major reason why they didn't do it this time? Is it all the cost of materials? Well, you know, it was a brand new product. I think even even that's the one thing that, that I called down in my review that would have been nice to have on the mini was that, that retina display. But, you know, the the mini still looks good because of the size of the screen. Um, you know, you don't have like a giant SD screen, you have, you know, a mini screen. So, uh, it still works well, but I think that the retina display would certainly boost it. So the point here is that you've got a active resolution between the iPad two and the iPad three, four. So therefore it's sharper than the iPad two, but just not quite retina display. What about this rumor about an iPhone math 
which I guess would be the same size as the Samsung phone, 4.8 inches. Does that make sense for Apple, yet another size? You know, the more I think about that, the more I think it does make sense. Um, Because obviously people want that larger screen size. So maybe as an option, that might be a good thing for them. Of course, the size, the scaling, the aspect ratio would have to be considered because anytime you add a new size, suddenly developers have to go back and rejigger their apps. Yeah, that's always a concern. But, you know, I, Apple has to, to also deliver products to the market uh, that, that are going to sell. And if this larger screen, if that's what people are looking for, and they're buying, you know, millions of them, then Apple should be there. Again, it's the Samsung Galaxy S3. It's 4.8 inches. And it's done in a way where it's not really huge. It's thin enough that it sort of kind of fits in your pocket. It's not that much bigger than, say, an iPhone 5. Yeah, I I mean, it is going to be a bit bigger. You're going to have some extra real estate uh, on the screen. Uh, Quite a bit, actually, if you you look at the mock-ups. But it's not going to be for everybody. You know, people that like to um, I don't know, carry it, like women that like to carry it in a, in a small purse or something like that, that might be a bit too big. One. Yeah, that's an interesting point about the purse because my wife looks at my iPhone 4S and I said, you know, I'll get you one of these. You know, get you one of these or perhaps get you like just an iPhone 4 if you don't need Siri. And she says, you know, I don't know, it may be even that too big for her purse you know everybody has a a different metric for for what they want to uh their phone to meet you know some people want a nice big screen and you know the ability to do video and and record audio and some people that wouldn't matter to them at all you know so we all have have different thoughts on what's going to be best for us all right let's just look at other things here other possibilities the iMac is still hugely backordered. I have a friend who ordered a 21-and-a-half-inch iMac in the middle of December, and he's still waiting for it, although I gather they are shipping to some people. So what's the deal here? Did Apple make a big screw-up? Should they have allowed that product to be released in the fall or just let the existing model be sold and bring it out after the first of the year and not screw up their balance sheet? Well, it, it certainly appeared to, to mess with their balance sheet, that's for sure, because uh, the max sales were down uh, in the last quarter, and I think that that was uh, the iMac. It was all the iMac, I think, according to published reports. The sales of the Mac notebooks were pretty much on a par. Yeah, so, you know, they did hurt themselves with that, not having the iMac available. You know, that that hurts. But clearly they, they wouldn't have done it if they thought that, you know, they could have uh, they could could have shipped it. But there, whatever the problems were, you know, they seem to be ongoing. Let's look at a quote that's fascinating. Goes back to the last decade and a half ago, I think, back in the 90s. And someone said famously, what would I do? I'd shut it down and give the money back to its shareholders, back to the shareholders. And that, of course, was Michael Dell talking about Apple. So what is Michael Dell doing with Dell now? Well, he's not shutting it down. 
He's going private with a couple of billion from Microsoft in a loan. I hope the interest rate isn't too high. And basically they're giving the money back to the shareholders. <laughs> Did he know he was talking about himself 16 years ago? It's kind of funny, isn't it? You know, when you, uh, when you look at that. And what's even funnier is that Dell now says that um, that comment was taken out of context and it's not relevant. Well, uh, it's not relevant now that uh, Michael Dell is doing what he said. I like the way they say comments are taken out of context. And then you look at the original comment, and that's the comment. No, it was thoroughly in context. He was ragging on Apple like everybody else was. I mean, at the time, it probably sounded reasonable to a lot of people. Dell was riding high, but here's the problem with Dell. Not that the products are bad. And let me say this, I've had experiences using Dell products and contacting Dell support. For several years here, I had a Dell 30-inch display. Really worked well, really good product. The thing is here, if you take a Dell and an HP PC side-by-side, forgetting minor color differences, minor shape differences, you're not really acquainted with that stuff. You take them side-by-side and you hide the product labels. Which is the Dell, which is the HP? It's a good point. Very good point. Dell made its living. Michael Dell made billions of dollars selling generic PCs cheaply with decent customer support with a very, very sophisticated custom ordering system. In fact, indirectly, wasn't Apple's online store kind of influenced by Dell in the sense that that influenced power computing? That was one of the Mac clone makers. Apple bought power computing and used their online ordering system to build the online Apple store. You know, you got to give Michael Dell credit for what he built. Uh, You know, he did build a a computing empire. There's no doubt. I mean, the company is worth billions and billions of dollars. So all, all credit there. The fact is he didn't move it forward. You know, the, the Dell is still where it is now, you know, where it was a decade ago or, or 16 years ago when he made these comments. And I suppose that some would say that we could say very similar things about Microsoft, but we're not really talking about Microsoft just yet. And the thing is that the history of Dell is fascinating, though, because Michael Dell was a pre-med student in the early 1980s, and he was basically selling his PCs out of his dorm room. And look where he went. And... You have to really praise somebody for building a business like that. So instead of having a Dr. Michael Dell, we have Michael Dell, the billionaire. We have Jim Dalrymple, who is not a billionaire, and Gene Steinberg, who is even not a hundred heir or something like that. I'm an heir to nothing. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. 
And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. You land in Buenos Aires, then a shuttle to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa, it's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes, all food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more. All more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts at GoldenStagSafaris.com. The big game hunting ranch. GoldenStagSafaris.com. Lunch is ready! And it's an MRE smorgasbord at longlifefood.com. In 1983, Long Life Food Depot was one of the first to sell MRE pouches to the public, and we're still selling them almost 30 years later. Today, Long Life Food Depot has the world's most complete MRE online buffet, because MREs are all we do. Tasty varieties of chicken, beef, salmon, and pasta entrees, plus sandwiches and our easy-to-use pouches. Full moisture, long shelf life, and ready-to-eat hot or cold. We sell by the pouch or case so the choices are endless and so are the graduated quantity discounts the more you buy the more you save call 800-601-2833 or go to longlifefood.com to join our email list for upcoming announcements like the roll away food pod plus enjoy fast and free shipping just call 800-601-2833 or visit longlifefood.com emergency preparedness emergency relief longlifefood.com since 1983 sending real food to your real future You've heard about or even used colloidal silver for years. But did you know there's a silver product that is much better, faster, safer, and superior? Silver that is fundamentally distinctive, different, and the only patented silver since the original colloidal silver in 1923? Introducing Silver Protocol from Neofera. Think about this. What will you do when you can't get antibiotics? Silver Protocol should be in every grab bag. The one product you got to have when it all breaks loose. Unlike colloidal silver, use Silver Protocol preventatively or whenever infection occurs. Silver Protocol can be boiled or frozen yet is still 100% effective, has super long shelf life, and will not cause argyria or turn you blue. Order Silver Protocol at 800-213-0644. That's 800-213-0644. Or go to neofera.com spelled n-e-o-f-e-r-a.com sign up for our free educational email series at neofera.com silver protocol the ultimate immune booster you never know what's going to happen next while listening to the tech night Isle live with gene steinberg You know, one thing our listeners probably know is that we use Skype heavily to record these shows. And 
I've noticed since Microsoft bought Skype, what, a year and a half, two years ago, the quality of connection is, goes downhill. I've been having an awful time keeping a good connection, for example, with our guest, Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. Hey, Jim, over there at The Loop, what are the hottest topics you guys are dealing with these days? Wow. That's, uh, I, I think I, I think one of the, the hot ones right now is the iPad market share. You know, the, the fact that people are, the mainstream media are, are having a field day with the fact that Apple's tablet market share in the overall market is falling. But they're not explaining to people why it's falling. And I, I wrote an article the other day about it, and it, look at it like this. It, when Apple first released the iPad, they created a brand new category of, of these tablets. And since they were the only one in the market, they had all the market share. Well, since then, a lot of new people have released um, tablets in that in that space. So, of course, when new products come in, people are going to buy them. Apple's market share is going to drop. It just makes sense. But when you really look at the numbers, and the way that I put it in the in the article is. Let's say that there's only one car maker in the world, and it's Mercedes. If you want to buy a car, you're going to have to buy a Mercedes because it's the only one available. So and that happened, but in 1885 or something? They have all the market share. But then Hyundai comes along and releases a cheaper car. Well, people are going to buy that. For whatever reason, they're going to buy that. Mercedes market share is going to drop. It doesn't mean that Mercedes is selling less cars. And in this case, with Apple, Apple is actually selling more iPads. So when you look at the actual figures of market share, Apple is in first place with 43.6% of the market. The next largest competitor to Apple is a category called Other. It's not even a company. It's just like everybody else in the world grouped together as the category other. And there's another thing, too. Some companies will register a sale when they ship something. We ship two million products. Maybe we only sold a million of them, but we record sales of two million. Apple records sales of two million, and they sold two million. That's a big distinction with a very distinguished difference. You look at at uh, the number two to number five uh, tablet makers. Uh, number two is Samsung, Amazon, uh, Asus, and Barnes and Noble. So the the second they they put the other category, which has twenty two percent of the market, they put that at the bottom. So number two, they're saying is Samsung. Samsung has 15% of the market. Apple has 43%. And that's based, once again, on different interpretations of what's sold and what's shipped. Right. I mean, that's always something that, that people have to, to remember. And just to uh, you know, pound that out a little bit more, most uh, companies will report a shipped number. So um, you know, Samsung will say, we shipped a million phones. Well... The problem with that is those million phones could be sitting in a warehouse somewhere, 
as long as Amazon or, or Samsung ship them, they count them as, as product gone. Apple reports sold numbers. Those are when the customer actually has them in their hand. So there's a big difference there. If Apple, I mean, that's how some companies boost up their, their quarterly numbers. They will ship out, and, and BlackBerry was, was famous for this. They would open up new markets in the Middle East or something right before an earnings and ship out millions of devices over there, and that would boost up their numbers. Uh, you know, for a while, you could, you could look at the, at the uh, releases and see what they were doing. Um, so I, I think that's, that's a, a big topic right now because if you talk to somebody on the street, they'll say, yeah, I heard that you know, Apple's market share is falling. Well, yeah, but do you know why? Do you, do you know that Apple has actually had a record quarter? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Because the media and, and the press doesn't do a good job, well, whether that's on purpose or not, they don't do their job and explain to people what's going on. Is this hatred or interest in misinforming about Apple due to the media not wanting to let Goliath be Goliath? There has to be a David out there who's going to take him down? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, everybody likes to, to see the, the top guy fall. But, and if Apple is going to fall, and they're going to fall because they messed up and they didn't release decent products and they didn't, you know, do what they were supposed to do, fine. Let them fall. You know, it's their own fault. But that's not the case. The case is the media is doing, you know, uh, doing a real number on, on Apple and they're not reporting exactly what's going on. They're they're their facts may be correct, but they're not explaining what's going on. And I think that they have a responsibility to do that. Well, we're going to have to really see whether Apple can possibly counteract some perceptions here. And we're seeing that according to recent reports that Apple is now reaching out more to the media, sending them studies and things showing that by 2014, what is it going to be? The Mac will be as well accepted in the enterprise as Windows? Well, at this point, I, I don't think um, uh, Microsoft is doing themselves any favors because um, you know, a report yesterday from, uh, I think it was Canalis, said that um, the release of Windows 8 had no effect on PC shipments. Right. You know, that's pretty bad. <laughs> when you're, you're the top maker, and it didn't have any effect at all. Yeah, that is kind of freaky, isn't it? That is definitely freaky. That they release this operating system, they spend hundreds of millions of dollars to promote it, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. That's, that's basically what it was. Now, what did they care about? They cared about tablets, according to this report. And the tablet market grew 75%. In that quarter, that's that's huge, seventy five percent. That's extraordinary. It really is. You have to think how these things are going. At the same time, consider the fact that PC sales are flat or they're going down, and how Apple has created a totally new market. Whereas Microsoft wants to make it just another PC. That's where they're screwing up. The Surface is obviously in it. It's just a PC. It's not. 
a tablet in the way the iPad is a tablet. Well, no, it's not. And and it seems that, you know, Microsoft didn't want it to be. But what they made is some kind of, you know, Frankenstein uh, tablet PC that I, I don't think people get. I don't get it. I've been around, you know, the tech industry for a long time. I don't get it. Right. It's kind of freaky, isn't it? Think about it, ladies and gentlemen. Microsoft comes out with Windows 8 which is kind of a convertible operating system because it's got a rather poor touch-based interface mixed in with a desktop interface. They take that, port it almost identically to the ARM processor used by all the other mobile gadget people. Then they sell this Surface tablet, which has Microsoft Office on it, but it won't run Windows apps. And now they've got a version that does, but it's so expensive you might as well buy a MacBook Air. Maybe it's a pound heavier. But tell me there's no difference between a MacBook Air and a Surface Pro. Boy, is there a difference. Jim Dalrymple, you make a difference. Tell our listeners where they can find more of what you do. I'm on um, Twitter at jdalrymple and uh, at loopinsight.com. Of course, he's the big cheese at the loop at loopinsight.com working with our friend Peter Cohen. Jim Dalrymple, thanks for joining us this week on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. But that's not all. Coming up next on the show, we'll hear from Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at laptopmag.com. He'll be talking about two key subjects. One, he reviewed the Surface Pro from Microsoft over there at Laptop Magazine, and they found some problems. He'll also talk about 13 tech terms that he regards as obsolete. But more importantly, we want to know what his readers thought when that article was posted. Coming up next on the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carding to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP 
is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com, where he's the online editorial director. And I kind of expect they should be used to this because they've got all these 10 best 10 worst kind of articles. And so they decided to have an article, correct me if I'm wrong, Avram, 13 outdated tech terms. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Now you got response other than what you expected. I understand. But first, what are the 13 tech terms that we do not want to use anymore? So I looked at some of the things that we say that are both out of date in the sense that they refer to a technology that's not in use anymore. And then those that are current in terms of their, what they refer to, but don't make sense. So in terms of out of date words, we still say dial when we're calling someone yet. No one has used a rotary phone since the early eighties for the most part. But you know, they actually do sell rotary phones. You, you can, I mean, there's a nostalgia market for everything, but, but the reality is that touch tone and then now smartphones where we don't even have buttons have long since replaced the rotary dial, but still your smartphone has a dialer on it. And when you're calling someone, you say, I'm going to dial that number. In my Honda, one of the terms you use for their voice recognition hands-free system is dial. Right. So they, so they're behind the times too. They, uh, I mean, it's it's a common term, but we we should stop using it because it doesn't make sense anymore. Just like telling someone to stay tuned. I mean, when is the last time you had to tune something in on your TV? Uh, I mean, unless you have rabbit ears, which you know there's still some people who have them, but it's quite un- uncommon, especially since the switch to all digital broadcast that you would actually have to worry about tuning something in and making sure people stayed tuned. Uh, but we still use that word. Before you go, number three, I have in front of me one of the C-Crane CC Radio Plus units. They still make these, you know. Yeah. And you have a dial tuner on it to tune a station. So you can still tune in and stay tuned. The third word is one I use to this very day, and that is to tape it right i mean now look if you really are still using tape by all means use tape it but i think most of us when we are talking about particularly when we're talking about using a um, dvr to record something we'll say hey make sure you tape it well if you're not using vhs tape which i haven't in about 10 years that's really not the right thing to say the last VHS tape I used was several years ago. I made a DVD copy of something. Okay, the next one I kind of feel surprised about. 
webcam is now passe? Well, you know, obviously you hear people saying it, but it was never really an accurate thing to say because it is not the web, technically speaking, is something that you view in your browser. It's HTTP protocol. It's web pages that are built in HTML. But if you're opening up Skype or you're talking on, you know, FaceTime or something, you're using a camera, which people call a webcam, but you're technically not using the web. The word webcam has never made sense because even from the beginning of video chat on the Internet, people have used third-party tools to do it, you know, separate individual clients as opposed to necessarily doing it through a website. And if something is going to be have the word web in it, it would imply that you're going to use your browser, you're going to be visiting a page with HTML on it, and that's where you're going to be doing your chats from. Yes, you may do that, but there's an equally likely chance, if not greater, that you'll be using a standalone client like the Skype program or or FaceTime or something else. And if you're not going to do something exclusively on the web, why is it a webcam? Why is it not a video chat cam or just a cam? Tell me, Avram, why should I never say blog again? You know, the term blog is become a pejorative. It it was a great idea. Uh, it is, in effect, just a template. It's WordPress, it's Blogger, it's a template uh, and a CMS style that works very well, and a lot of us use it, and it's wonderful. The problem is it, the denotation. The denotation is fine. The connotation is terrible. People have suggested that if you're a blogger and you're running on a blog, that somehow you're not a professional journalist, even to the point where Google ranks uh, sites that it considers to be blogs lower than it ranks other sites that it doesn't consider to be blogs. So we really have to stop using this word because it's become associated with amateur publishing as opposed to what it really means in its purest form, which is simply a particular format where you've got a series of news posts, one after the other, uh, maybe 10 or 20 posts on the homepage, and you've got a simple, easy publishing method for using them. There's nothing wrong with the format. It's wonderful. We still use it today. But unfortunately, if you you try getting a press pass when you tell someone you're a blogger or that you have a blog. I tell people I'm a radio talk show host. That they accept. Desktop computer. Well, you know, look, obviously when the PC revolution started back in the early 80s, all the computers were sitting on top of a table. I remember going to the computer lab at school or computer camp, and you'd have rows and rows of these Apple IIs or IBM PCs that were all sitting on top of the table. The monitor would sit either next to or on top of the computer case, and these were desktop computers. But now you have another generation of products that, okay, they're stationary, but they're not really, per se, a computer that's taking up your desktop. For about the last 20 years now, a lot of us have had our computers on the floor. Uh, other, otherwise, we've had you know kind of smaller type of computers that are maybe a tiny box. And then we have all-in-one computers that are sitting on the desktop, but they're built into the monitor. We really, the word desktop computer is not really accurate. It's fair to say it's a stationary computer and not non-mobile computer because you don't carry it around, but it's not necessarily a desktop computer. Film. Well, just like tape, 
this is this is referring to an outdated form of media. Yes, there are still people who film things with real film. They should be able to use this word, but if you're using a digital media to capture something with your digital camera or your digital camcorder or your smartphone, um, you should not be able to use the word film. Besides, how many films are really filmed anymore? Exactly. They're, they're digitized. Smartphone? So smartphone, which I just use because it's hard to stop using it if other people don't stop using it because people you want people to know what you mean. But to be honest, it's not really a phone. I mean, it's smart, but it's not really a phone. If the number one thing that uh, that your gadget does, the most important thing that it does is not reflected in its name, what's the point? So the phone feature of a smartphone is the least important one. The, uh, the majority of people have smartphones spend much more of their time uh, doing things like checking email, checking Facebook, web surfing, using apps, texting, almost everything except making voice calls. But yet we call them a smartphone. We don't call your car uh, a mobile air conditioner, even though it has air conditioning features in it. So we really have to stop calling this a smartphone and come up with something better. Now, I like the term communicator or pocket computer, something like that that really reflects the fact that it is a mobile communications device that gets you, that that you carry with you um, and is really small. But but to say that it's a smartphone, it's really, you know, takes you back to the 19th century and phone exchanges and all of that. And it's it's so far from that technology that it's really not a phone anymore. Certainly, and sometimes, I hate to say it, some of these so-called smartphones don't have very good phones. They give exactly. it kind of short shrift, that particular feature. We have Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com, and we're exploring an article called 13 Tech Terms You Should Never Say Again, and we're up to smartphone, and we're going to cover a few more phrases, and then we're going to ask him the reaction from his readers. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Hi, this is Peter Kronschnabel from Midas Resources. As you know, federal government spending is at an all-time high, and inflation will be a direct result of the spending policy. 
European government and central bank spending policies have put the European Union on the brink of collapse. What are you doing right now to protect yourself financially? Are your assets working for you or against you? One thing is certain. Having physical possession of gold and silver will guarantee that no matter what happens to our economy or the dollar, your investment will never be worthless. And it will protect you from that hidden tax, inflation. If you've been thinking about investing in physical possession of precious metals or having an IRA in precious metals, I can help. Call me today, Peter Kronschnabel, at 800-686-2237, extension 108. And I'll take the time to personally put together a portfolio designed to protect what you've worked so hard for. Call 800-686-2237, extension 108. You've worked hard your whole life, and I want to work hard for you. Call Peter at 800-686-2237, extension 108. Radio advertising on GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is simple, affordable, and reaches millions. How do we do it? Let's break it down. First, the simple part. You tell us about your business. <laughs> then our expert radio copywriters write your copy. We hire professional voice talent. Hello there. I'm a professional announcer. And then produce your ad with just the right music and feel. <laughs> Voila. Simple. How affordable? 60-second ads on GCN are the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And that brings us to reach. Millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 700 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. That's it. A one-stop shop. Creative radio ads. Very affordable rates. Millions of potential customers and customer service that can't be beat. See our current list of satisfied advertisers at GCNlive.com. Then shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. On the Tech Night Out Live, we have Abram Pills of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. And one of the best features of Laptop Magazine is the 10 best, the 5 best, and now the 13 tech terms that are, shall we say, passe. And we covered smartphones. It's not a smartphone, and maybe we should call it a stupid phone. And the reason we call it a stupid phone is some of these products don't make very good phones. Surf the web is passe. It's degrading to anyone who actually is using the web because 
it, it's just one of those things where back in the 90s when the internet was new, everybody thought it was kind of cute and you couldn't actually use it for work or to make money. Say, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just surfing the web. Just hanging around, surfing the web. Nothing of great consequence. It's another pejorative. So really, we, we really have to stop stop using it because it really implies time wasting. You know, I remember seeing commercials back in the 90s for Lycos and other search engines of the day where they would say, stop surfing and stop start finding. Again, surfing is, it implies wandering around aimlessly. And that's not what the internet is about. It is a, it is a vital part of our lives, whether your job revolves around it like, like mine does or something else. It, it deserves better respect than to say that you're surfing the web. Gets no respect. Desktop publishing. Now, I did that sort of thing professionally in the pre-press industry in the 80s and part of the 90s. But now, even though we still have Quark Express and we have Adobe InDesign replaced PageMaker a long time ago, we no longer say desktop publishing? Well, if almost all publishing is desktop publishing, how is it desktop publishing anymore? If everything is being generated and laid out on the computer... Why would you why would you say desktop publishing? I mean, if the post office ceased delivering mail, uh, and it looks or, like they're getting pretty close to that right now. Yes, if the post office ceased delivering mail, or let's say it was something that only people who did not use only Luddite people who did not use computers used, you might consider changing email to just mail because, after all, there's no. The E part of it is, isn't relevant anymore when all mail is email. Now, that's not true yet. People still get send lots of letters, even though they may not get them on Saturday anymore. But desktop publishing, that is true. People do everything digitally. There's no more sort of carving things out with exacto knives unless you're someplace where they just you just have to, like I don't know, learn about it for school or something. So we should just call it what it is, publishing software, not desktop publishing. I always love to be considered passe. Personal cloud, what does that mean? Now, this is a term that's a marketing term, and it's not an old term. It's just a term that should never have been born. There are a number of hard drive makers that are calling their network-attached storage drives personal clouds because of the concept that if you have storage that's in your house and you can access it over the Internet, from somewhere else, then it's your personal cloud. But this is an oxymoron. A cloud is a server that you don't run. It's just off somewhere. It's redundant. You have no idea, nor do you care about the hardware. And it's not personal. So you've got your own little you know, set of storage space at Dropbox, at SkyDrive, at iCloud, uh, all of those things. But it, it's none of your business nor concern uh, where the servers are and how many they are and who's maintaining them. It's just, you know, it's just out there floating in the sky and like a cloud, and you don't care. It makes you feel cloudy. But I think we're reaching a point ultimately, and we're not quite there yet, but I think that's a dream, where all your stuff will be in the cloud. Correct, and that would mean that there would be no personal cloud. Now, I actually really approve of these devices. I think it's great to be able to have a hard drive or storage drive in your house and be able to access it from elsewhere because it's physically secure and you know where it is and you know who has access to it. And I'm all for that. I would do that. But let's not call it a personal cloud because it's not part of the cloud. Also, there's the 
political issue of ceding control of all your stuff. And we're seeing this already. Like, for example, we talk about iOS or iOS versus Android. Now, Android, fundamentally, it's all in the cloud. You have a tiny bit of storage on your device, smartphone, handset, whatever. We'll call it a handset. But it's all maintained in the cloud. You don't really interface with a desktop computer, although you can. There's even a file transfer tool from an Android device to your Mac if you want, and there are file transfer tools for PCs too. Apple's moving that way too, where in the past you have an iPhone or an iPad, you would sync it with iTunes on a Mac or PC. Now you use iCloud, you never have to dock it with your Mac. You don't even have to worry about using your Mac or PC to charge it, you just plug it in the wall. Yep. Superphone? It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal. Forget it. I was just watching the trailer for Man of Steel the other day, and that came back to mind. Superphone with his cape and mask and everything, and he shoots green, not Green Lantern. Forget about it. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. There's there's no there's no reason to call a phone a superphone, but we have seen it happen. We've the flagship device for a number of manufacturers has been referred to alternately as a superphone. Uh, the term used to be iPhone killer at one point, but people realized that the iPhone wasn't going to die so easily, so that one has fallen out of use. But you will occasionally hear someone say superphone about the high-end phone that comes out. Okay, First so all, therefore, the Samsung Galaxy S3 is a superphone. Yes, the Samsung Galaxy S3 is a superphone. Okay, but I'm it's floating. Wait a minute. That being said, <laughs> that being said, it's it's not going to be so super next month when the Samsung Galaxy S4 comes out. So it's ridiculous to give something such a superlative name. First of all, why don't you let me decide what's a superphone and what's not a superphone? And, and second of all, today's superphone is tomorrow's one cent special at you know on Wirefly. So it's ridiculous. And we really have to cut it out. All right, you raised the point. Before we get to the set-top box and why that's not relevant, tell me, the S4, what will be different about it? Bigger screen, what? We have a 4.8-inch screen, pretty decent power. It has been a pretty big success for Samsung. What will the S4 bring? I think that the S4 will have a, perhaps have a bigger screen, but I think they're probably saving that for the Galaxy Note. So... I think it's going to be higher resolution. Maybe you step, maybe you step up to full 1080p on the resolution. You definitely will have quad-core standards. Some of the Galaxy S3s have quad-core, some do not. Perhaps a higher megahertz in terms of the clock speed. I think we'll see maybe better cameras on it as well. And uh, hopefully, I'd like to see better battery life, although that seems to not be a priority for a lot of companies and I, I think we may also see, hopefully, better design because right now, the Galaxy S3, great phone, but I, I don't think the design really blows anyone away. We so, have to blow this away before we go on. Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network. 
If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. In this unpredictable world, disaster can strike anyone. That's why an essential part of any emergency survival plan must be stove in a can. When power goes out and gas lines are down, the portable, safe, easy-to-use stove in a can cooks food up to four hours and boils water in as little as five minutes. Stove in a can comes with everything you need. The stove, fuel, even waterproof matches, all in a compact, durable, heavy-duty container. Plus, the all-natural, non-explosive, 100% waterproof fuel source can be stored indefinitely. Say goodbye to the hassle and danger of propane, lighter fluid, or gas. Stock up now and protect your family with Stove in a Can, starting out at $29.99. Special bundle offers now available with a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Order yours today at StoveInACan.com. That's StoveInACan.com. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeant e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker extend your life with extend Extendivite is a seven-herb heart protection cocktail designed to support cardiovascular health, blood pressure, and cholesterol levels. February is Heart Month, and we at Heart Drop 2000 are having our Heart Month sale with prices from six years ago. Starting now until February 28th, you can purchase a four-month supply of either capsules or liquid for only $125, including shipping and handling to help you help yourself. So call now to take advantage of this one-time offer. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. 
What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. We have Abram Pilch with Laptop Magazine joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. And the final comment you made about the Samsung S3 is that the industrial design is... Ah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it looks like cheap plastic to me. It's not hideous. People are certainly buying it in in large quantities. But I think, obviously, there's a lot of room for innovation there. I'm not sure that Samsung is super interested in that, but that would certainly be something that that we'd like to see out of it. We obviously would, would also like to see exactly what new innovation Samsung is going to bring because they've been very innovative in terms of the software that they pack in, allowing you to do things like multitasking or sharing different kinds of files over S-Beam than you can over regular Android. So it will be fascinating to see what the new features are. As far as the hardware race, it seems likely that we're going to see the higher resolution screen and for sure quad core, but I, I'm not sure beyond that what else they can do to, to really top the hardware of the S3 at this point. Well, the other issue here, too, is whether Samsung wants to go to sophisticated fabrication processes like Apple does. That's their big factor. Apple does things that are impossible to build, as a result of which then you suddenly have to wait weeks to get one until they figure out how to build it, and especially the iMac. They're still trying to figure out how to build those, believe it or not. Okay, so we no longer call my DirecTV DVR a set-top box or the Apple TV or the Roku. What do we call it? TV peripheral? Is that sexy? It is hard to... Uh, to come up with a great name, maybe a stream, maybe a media box, a streaming media box. I think you have to recognize the fact that in 2013, most people have flat panel TVs, and unless you have a box that's the size of a USB stick, it's not going to fit on top of the set. So saying that is is completely inaccurate. I think streaming media box is probably the best. We said set top box because when the TVs were big and fat and broad. You stuck the thing on top of the TV set. Now it's below the set, possibly in a stand or on a shelf or something. So we understand. I just call it a box sometimes and leave it be. In fact, I have another box, though. I have a box that's like a stand above the stand, which is one of these special base-oriented speaker systems. Okay, it's not a... It's not a sound bar. It's a sound base. You seen those? Uh, I think I have seen those. Yeah, there's just there are a lot of peripherals for your TV. It's great, but I think we need to be accurate about where they stand, and none of them are sitting on top of the TV. You didn't expect the reaction that you got for this article. Tell us briefly about it before we get to the Surface Pro. Well, this article ended up on Yahoo, which is great. We we syndicate a lot of content to them and. They have some very passionate users, which is wonderful. I, I tend to think of myself sometimes as a dunk tank clown for tech commenters. If I got people to comment, I feel successful, uh, even if their comments are a little bit negative. So we got about 2,500 comments from people who were outraged that someone would tell them what to say. I'm just trying to kind of stir up some thought here about the words we say and and us really thinking about 
which ones need to come and which ones need to go. English teachers do this all the time, so it's a little bit strange that people are so upset, upset about the concept of being told which words are in and which words are out. But uh, I, I welcome the disagreement. Okay, so now we're seeing the inevitable comparisons between the Surface Pro and the MacBook Air, which tells me that a lot of people are regarding it basically as an ultrabook of some sort, not so much a tablet, which is what Microsoft was trying to present it as. Or am I wrong? No, I think you're right. Including Microsoft, I would include Microsoft in the group of people who regard it as an ultrabook instead of a tablet, which is kind of frightening since they made it. When, uh, when I took a briefing with them a couple months ago, we were talking about the Surface Pro, and they just kept comparing it to ultrabooks, not to tablets. And they wanted to show us that it can run Photoshop, that it can connect to an external monitor and power a monitor that is higher resolution than its own screen can handle. So it can do like a 2560 by 1600 monitor that they showed us. And they kept talking about how, well, this is lighter than an Ultrabook, and it gets battery life that's similar to an Ultrabook, is what they said. That's actually not true, because, well, some Ultrabook may get four and a half hours of battery life, but that's not a typical Ultrabook, for sure. And that's really the fatal flaw of this device. The battery life is unconscionably low. Four and a half hours of battery life for a tablet is a joke. It's a joke on a laptop, too. It's a joke on an Ultrabook. You should expect at least you know 7 to 8 hours out of a tablet that's that's what a decent tablet battery life should be particularly when the iPad 4 is getting around 11 or 12 hours on our tests so to get four and a half hours i mean on something that's supposed to be an, an ultra mobile device like this is ridiculous now okay what it looks like microsoft has done here is put in fairly traditional notebook parts in there. Is that one reason that the thing is just not big enough to have a sufficiently large battery? Yeah, that's exactly the problem. Gee, I redesigned the product. Let's get a bigger battery. There you go. Make the components smaller and therefore get a bigger battery in there, but that makes it heavier. And right now it's what, two pounds? Which is heavy for a tablet. And the MacBook Air is what, three and some odd pounds and a few ounces. Yeah, so the MacBook Air, which comes with a real keyboard, and also, I think in the terms of the MacBook Air, they were talking about maybe the 11.6 MacBook Air as being three pounds, uh, and that's a larger screen as well. You've got a lot more to it. So, yeah, you know, you would expect a notebook to be three pounds. But the keyboard for the Surface Pro, using either of the two keyboards you can get for it, which you have to pay extra for, Either you're getting the touch cover, which is completely flat keys that give you no tactile feedback at all, or the type cover, which has a keyboard that is, you know, good, much better than the touch cover, but bad for a netbook. It's not a notebook experience. So, oh, by the way, let me give you the figures. Okay, the MacBook Air is lighter than we thought. It's two point three eight pounds. That means it's only a few ounces heavier for the 11-inch model, only a few ounces heavier than a Surface Pro. The 13-inch model weighs just shy of three pounds. That's from Apple's official specs. So there there you have it. (laughs) So who needs the Surface Pro? Throw it out. Get rid of it. 
Dump it. <laughs> See, here, it, it, this is a product that is, unfortunately, betwixt and between, and you have to ask, who is it for? So, if you want a tablet, you want something really light, and you want it to last a long time on a charge. If you want a notebook, you want something with a good keyboard experience. And by the way, you also want it to last a long time on a charge. So, unfortunately, the keyboard experience and the actual laptop experience of using it on your lap of the Surface Pro is not good. Yes, these keyboards are innovative. They look cute. It's it's a technological achievement that they can make something that is this flat and light and actually lets you type on it. But after you get past the... Uh, the thrill of of looking at these touch covers and you actually have to sit there and try and write an article on it, it becomes a hassle. You want a good keyboard with good tactile feedback, lots of space between the keys, and you want something that can you can balance on your lap. The surface is really difficult to balance on your lap. Yeah, it has the kickstand on it, so you can try to balance it on your knees and you probably will succeed but it's a bit rickety depending on the size of your lap. It, the, the center of gravity is all on the back of it, so the keyboard is kind of flimsy as you feel like the thing might fall off of your lap. It's it's not a good laptop experience, period. The thing about this Abram Pilch is that the Surface is, in terms of form, it looks nice. In terms of substance and usability, it's lacking more to come with Avram Pilch. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pilla, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. After more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX 
or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Lunch is ready! And it's an MRE smorgasbord at longlifefood.com. In 1983, Long Life Food Depot was one of the first to sell MRE pouches to the public, and we're still selling them almost 30 years later. Today, Long Life Food Depot has the world's most complete MRE online buffet, because MREs are all we do. Tasty varieties of chicken, beef, salmon, and pasta entrees, plus sandwiches and our easy-to-use pouches. Full moisture, long shelf life, and ready-to-eat hot or cold. We sell by the pouch or case so the choices are endless and so are the graduated quantity discounts the more you buy the more you save call 800-601-2833 or go to longlifefood.com to join our email list for upcoming announcements like the roll away food pod plus enjoy fast and free shipping just call 800-601-2833 or visit longlifefood.com emergency preparedness emergency relief longlifefood.com since 1983 sending real food to your real future Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. And there's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Owl Live, we first focus on the 13 tech terms that are outdated, at least according to Abram Pilch and Laptop Magazine, although... The public, to the tune of over 2,000 messages, says, no, but there you go. I am still going to tape our shows every week. I am still going to take film. Actually, I like film, but I no longer have a film camera, so there you go. But you know what it is, too, is we like the old technologies because, for example, vinyl is coming back. What do we need vinyl for? We've got CDs and everything else. It's because vinyl distorts the audio in a way that is so pleasing people love it it makes it sound or seem to sound more natural so we embrace final i guess we still like film maybe we'll see a resurgence in kodak brownies i mean kodak needs something (laughs) it's not much left of kodak there is a movement uh, of people who are using film cameras i totally don't approve but uh there's certainly a movement here in new york city we have a bunch of lomography places that will sell you lomo cameras and lomo film and it's it's a thing and then i think there's also a movement for polaroids and people are enjoying taking polaroids and that one i could believe a little bit more because there's something fun about having the instant photograph on paper but honestly 
you know, some technologies really deserved to die, and I'm of the strong belief that film is one of them. Oh, by the way, just to show you where your mind is at and where your thoughts are at in terms of the Surface Pro, someone else, another company that reviewed the Surface Pro, says Microsoft Surface Pro shows off its inner Ultrabook. Now, I want to ask you about Ultrabooks. Ultrabooks have not been huge sellers except for the progenitor of the medium, the MacBook Air. So Apple can get away with starting to sell that product at $9.99 and above. But on the Windows side, it's a hard sell, isn't it? Intel should do away with the term Ultrabook. It's unfortunate, but the term has become useless. The problem with Ultrabook is that it is something that is a marketing term that has become so broadly used that it's meaningless. And manufacturers have done all kinds of rigmaroles to get into this Ultrabook specification, which is not clear to anybody exactly what is and is not an Ultrabook. And so we really need to stop talking about Ultrabooks and just start talking about Ultraportables or come up with some other nomenclature for it because the term Ultrabook is is kind of a, an albatross at this point on the industry. It's it's the idea behind Ultrabook is great, but the term is is hurting everyone because the concept here is look, you want something that's long battery life, thin and light, you know, that's that's lovely. Everybody wants that. Didn't but, we used to call these notebooks before we had Ultrabook? A thin notebook was just thin and light. Uh, technically, and this is one of the things that I remember from when I started at, at Laptop, we still use throw these terms on occasionally. There was thin and light, and then there was ultra-portable. Thin and light was like a step thicker and heavier than ultra-portable, and then ultra-portable was you know, your 13-inch and below notebook that weighed less than four pounds. So the problem with ultra-book is there's a great emphasis on the Z-height, otherwise known as the thickness of the notebook, above other things. So you you have notebooks that actually are extremely light, but are technically don't fall into the Ultrabook spec because there may be a millimeter too, too thick because they actually included all the USB ports that someone actually wants out of their notebook. So Ultrabook has become kind of such a broad thing that you can buy something that's a $500 Ultrabook or you can buy something that's $1,300 and extremely lightweight and not an Ultrabook because it's 0.6 inches thick instead of 0.5 or something like that. And who's so, going to notice? And, and who's going to notice? So the term Ultrabook is an odd term. I don't think the public understands it. We actually don't see it in a lot of marketing materials anymore from manufacturers. And sometimes when we get in something to review, we have to actually ask the company, is this or is this not an Ultrabook? If we have to ask, what good is it? We're Laptop Magazine, and we don't understand whether the notebooks we're getting fall into the Ultrabook spec or not. So it's a spec that's not really been totally transparent to the public. It's something that Intel has used to kind of cajole its partners into building stuff that's thinner and lighter. That's an effort that we totally support. Everything should be thinner and lighter and have instant on and boot quickly. And all of the principles behind Ultrabook are solid. But having this spec is making it a little bit, you know, obscure. It's, it's, it's very opaque to the user what is and is not an Ultrabook at this point. And there's a lot of notebooks out there that really fulfill the goal of an Ultrabook that haven't met the spec. Classic example 
is the ThinkPad X230. This is a notebook that weighs maybe three to three and a half pounds, depending on which, uh, which battery you have in it. It gets 12 to 20 hours of battery life, but it's not an Ultrabook because it's a little too thick to be an Ultrabook, and it doesn't have an SSD flash cache in it. But if you were going out there and you're looking for something that is lightweight and long battery life, this would be one of the top products I recommend to you, but it's not an Ultrabook. So I think the term is meaningless at this point. It's a branding exercise that has probably failed. And part of the problem is if you allow too many exceptions and variations, you don't have this simple distinctiveness. Like we know what a MacBook Air is. It's a very thin notebook. It's obvious. It's distinctive. But the problem I always see in the PC side of the fence is too many options. They don't know when to say, let's just make it simple. This is where Microsoft's problem has been with the Surface. Not that they can't build a good product, but they want to be everything. They want to be a tablet. They want to be a netbook. They want to be a traditional notebook. They want to be an ultrabook. We have to run Windows apps, and we have to have a desktop layer and the tiled layer. But then we have the RT version, which doesn't run Windows apps, and it's going nowhere. So where does Microsoft go, forgetting about the Ultrabook for a moment, where does Microsoft go with the Pro? Looks like it's going to be tanking. It hasn't really set the world on fire. There is one idea that I've heard that could actually save the Pro. The magnetic dock connector in the Pro can transmit power as well as doing docking. So there is a rumor going around that Microsoft is going to come out with a battery-powered keyboard dock that can extend the battery life of the pro it would be a heavier keyboard cover than the than the current touch cover and type cover which weigh almost nothing but it would certainly be worth it particularly if the typing experience was better and it added more weight so you could actually use it more more like a laptop and then therefore buy a laptop and forget about it i think the concept you may very well be right about buying a laptop and forget about it, but there is something to be said in terms of tablets for being able to be productive while you're standing up. And so if you have something with a stylus, which I think is the best thing about the Surface Pro, is that it comes with a stylus and it has a really gorgeous 1080p screen, there's really a good possibility, if you get the applications right for pen, that someone could be standing in line and they could be doing work, responding to an email, writing an article, working on a business presentation. If you can do that while you're standing up uh, or while you're lying down because you don't need to have a full keyboard open at all times, that that's a benefit. There's really something to that. But ultimately, that has to jive with when you want to sit down and you want to do a serious amount of writing, a keyboard is still the best way to do it. And that's, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Well, Microsoft, I think, is going to have to do a lot of rethinking as to what they're about. Abram Pilch, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. So you can read my weekly columns at laptopmag.com slash geeksgeek. Uh, follow me on Twitter at geekinchief, or keep up with all of our tech news at laptopmag.com. And you can find us, too. We are out there. Are we in the cloud, the personal cloud, outer space? No, we're on Twitter, known as Tech Night Owl. Tech Night Owl at Twitter. Or you can surf the web. I'm just egging him on here. He's going to be screaming at me after this is over. You can surf the web and catch us at TechNightOwl.com. 
That is TechNightOwl.com. We have the other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. The Paracast at Paracast.com. Abram Pilch, thanks for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Always a pleasure. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.